Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Open up your Bibles to Mark 4. A familiar... If anything, you'll know Mark 4. Someone will say, where, where is that in the Bible? All you got to do is just plop my Bible down and open up right up to it. Sure, plunk. Well, we said we're going to take our time, but you didn't think I meant it, did you? Mark 4, 17. Let's start with 16, that way we'll tie in 17. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves. Well, if you haven't already done so, underline the phrase, root in themselves. Having no root in themselves. So endure, but for a time afterward, when affliction persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. So they receive the word of God with joyfulness and gladness of heart, and they're all glory to God, glory to God. But they have no root in themselves, and they endure but for a time. Now go back to Ephesians, the third chapter. We saw that the root is the love of God. We must be rooted and grounded in the love of God. If the life of Christ... We'll talk about a seed. But remember something. When we talk about... We're talking about the ultimate truth that's found in this parable. is not only talking about how to get results through God's Word. But it's talking about how to get results through the life of God that's in you. Being born again, not of corruptible... But of incorruptible what? Well, the main thing he's talking about is the seed of life that's inside of you, which is the life of Christ. Amen? And we use it as a teaching for everything else that you want to receive. But the main thing that he's talking about is the life of God in your heart can be brought to the outward man and be manifested while we walk on this earth. But it starts right here. They have no root in themselves in Ephesians 3. Let's look at verse 17. That the love of Christ... Well, let, let's... I'll read to you two translations. That Christ may dwell in your heart by faith that you being rooted and grounded in what? Okay. I'll read it to you from the Amplified. May Christ, through your faith, actually dwell, settle down, abide, make His permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love. Now, the word here that's used is root, being rooted, and it means the cause, the origin, or the source. The cause, the origin, or the source. That you may be deeply rooted in the cause, the origin, or the source. 
The cause, the origin, and the source of our life, of Jesus giving His life for us, is redemption. Right? Okay, what is the cause, the origin, or the source? It's the love of God. Why? The, the whole Bible is showing to us redemption. Right? The whole reason for the Word of God is redemption. What is the cause? What is the origin? What is the source of this redemption? Is found in the love that God had for us. For God so loved the world that He did what? So what is the cause? If you're not deeply rooted and grounded in the love of God, you don't know why you got saved. And you don't know anything about redemption. I found out that more people, when you talk, just talk to them, they don't understand how much God loves them because they don't understand love. We gave you some words for love. I'm just going to use the ultimate word for love. Agape love is divine love. It is the life and the nature of God Himself. It is absolute love. Now imagine this. There is no capacity. God does not in His heart have the capacity to hate you. It's absolute love. There is no darkness in light. Absolute light has no darkness within it. Absolute love. God loves you with absolute love. It has no darkness in it. It has no hatred in it. God loves you while you hated Him. While you rebelled against Him. We have got to be deeply rooted and grounded in God's love if we're going to understand redemption. You have got to understand God's love for you. I said there's a three, three ways we can look at this. God's love for you, your love for Him, and then your love one for another. And if you don't understand God's love for you, then you'll never understand. You'll never understand how to have, you're to love one another. And if you'll go back, you see that Jesus really was the type, showed us exactly how to love one another, and it showed exactly how love worked. We'll get to that in a minute. But let's just say now, for right now, that the reason for your redemption is because God loved you so much with divine love. This divine love is an aggressive love. This divine aggressive love is always coming towards you, always coming at you. It's, you know, when people say, uh, you know, Jesus doesn't love you when you do that. Don't say that. Don't ever tell a child that. Never tell a child that. That's the devil's way of, of, of getting that kind of teaching in their spirits while they're little. Jesus loves you no matter what you do. He's not loving what you're doing, but He loves you no matter what you do. If he can, matter of fact, Romans 5, 5, what does it say? God committed His love towards us, or God introduced us to divine agape love. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, you can't tell me that he was responding to your love to him. But what was he doing? He was aggressing towards us even though we had sinned, even though we were separated, even though we, we had made no attempt to seek and search out his love. But God loved you while you were a sinner. But we try to carry that, some preachers try to carry that over into this realm and start saying, well, no, you know, you, God doesn't love you if you do this. Jesus doesn't love you if you do that. He loves you no matter what you do. Someone says, are you giving them a license to sin? No, you'll sin without that license. Right? You don't need a license to sin, you'll do it anyhow. But in spite of all of it, God's grace is far greater than any sin you could commit. 
unless you commit the sin on the debt. Which is an act of your will to turn your back totally on Him and just walk away from Him. But God's grace is so far reaching that men don't understand it. And right here He says you've got to understand and be rooted and grounded, firmly planted on the fact that God loves you with absolute love. Absolute love. Now, let's go to Romans. You're over there in Ephesians. Go back to Romans. We'll show you how this thing works so we can begin to walk in it. We have got to bring the fruit of love to perfection in our lives if we're going to walk and have our faith work as we're walking in this earth. Faith works by what? We're going to show you why it works by love too. Okay, in Romans 5, 5, it says, In hope maketh not ashamed... Well, let's back up, because if we don't back up, you'll miss out on something that's important here. Romans 5, let's look at 4. Well, back up to 3. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing, knowing, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the agape... Divine love of God, life and nature of God, is shed abroad in our hearts, our spirit. One translation says, has flooded our spirits by the Holy Ghost who is within us. The Holy Ghost in the new birth got the love of God, that absolute love, and just shed it abroad our hearts or really flooded our spirits with that love. Some call it the first love. But that love is in our spirit. What man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him? And men in their natural mind are trying to understand God's love. They say, well, the Lord took that little child's life because he loves her. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. People talk like that. First of all, you go in Ephesians, you don't have to turn to it. But he said, this love of God passes knowledge. This love of God passes your own human reasoning, in other words. I've heard people time and time again. I heard one guy lost three or four of his kids in a car accident and said the love of God was in it. That's ridiculous. He may be sincere, but he's sincerely wrong. It's just wrong to talk like that. That's not God's love. I've heard one say that this is the greatest act of God's love was that this person was, was in a wheelchair and planned on being there to the rest of that person's life. It said, this is the greatest act of love God could show me. The greatest act of love that God showed you was on Calvary. And that was so that you can get up out of that wheelchair. That was so you can rise off that deathbed. That was so you can be delivered and set free. That's God's love. Jesus never said that. Everywhere He went, He healed all the sick. Didn't He? If they came to Him by faith. The love of God is far greater than what our minds could, natural minds can grasp. So, so go back to 1 Corinthians. Let's look at that. Go up to 1 Corinthians 2nd chapter just for a moment. We're going to see something about this love that God has for us and how we could get it from our spirits into our outward being. Man is a triune being, spirit, soul, and body. Just because it's in your spirit does not mean you walk in it. Just because it's in your heart does not mean you're walking in the light of it. Healing is in your heart. Everything is in your spirit. 
God has given you all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Isn't that right? He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. If you didn't get something from God that you needed, it's because you didn't bring it forth out of your spirit. Because the Bible says that out of your heart come or flow forth the issues or the forces of life. So diligently protect your heart. Now that's where these spiritual forces are. They're in your heart. Let's take a look at verse 9. I'm going to read to you. And uh, I don't think you have any problem following me from the Amplified Bible. You read it. If you got one, follow me. If not, let's start reading with verse 9. 1 Corinthians 2, 9. Let's just read a few verses. But on the contrary, as the Scripture says, What eye has not seen, an ear has not heard, and has not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared, made and keeps ready... For those who love Him, that is, for those who, to- who hold Him in affectionate reverence, promptly obeying and gratefully recognizing the benefits He has bestowed. Yet to us God has unveiled and revealed them by and through His Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit searches diligently, exploring and examining everything, even sounding the profound and bottomless things of God, the divine counsels and things hidden and beyond man's scrutiny. For what person perceives, knows and understands what passes through a man's thoughts, except the man's own spirit within him. Just so no one discerns or comes to know and comprehend the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we've not received the Spirit that belongs to the world, but the Holy Spirit who is from God, given to us that we might realize and comprehend and appreciate the gifts and divine favor and blessing so freely and lavishly bestowed on us by God. And we are setting forth these truths, we are setting these truths forth in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Holy Spirit, combining and interpreting spiritual truths with spiritual language to those who possess the Holy Spirit. Now, he's getting across to you and I, you'll never understand the spiritual forces that are down deep with inside your heart if the Holy Spirit does not bring them up forth out of your spirit and illuminate your mind so you can walk therein. The love of God is the greatest spiritual force there is upon the face of this earth today. But yet the natural mind does not comprehend or understand how to operate or walk in the love of God. Because you can't understand it with your natural mind. You have got to act it out by faith according to the teachings and the truth of God's Word. Faith is an act. You're to walk in love, are you not? Are you not to walk in love? All right, what is the believer's walk? How is the believer's walk? The walk we walk by? Faith is an act. You're acting out the part, or you're acting out the words of God in your own life. You do what God says to do, not what your body or your mind dictates for you to do. Now, when you, when you act out the love of God, then you'll get to understand from your spirit. Just how the love of God operates in our lives. And when you do that, you're going to be able to walk in the light of that love every day of your life. You'll be dripping with the love of God. Let's go to the example that Jesus laid out for us in John 15. Go to John 15. He laid out for us an example of how He walked in the love of His Father. John 15. Now, in case you've not been with us, this is only the 14th lesson. 
from this parable that we've been going forth from. So if you're a little bit lost, just get the taste. You got a little bit of homework to do. But we're just adding on. We've got to the point that we have got to develop love. We have got to be rooted and grounded in this love and have it be the foundation for God's life in us and our life living it for God. If we don't have this understanding and if we don't have our, our spirit man deeply rooted in this love, consequently, you're going to live a defeated life in this earth. You know why? You are more than a conqueror through him that what? Or through his love for us. You're more than a conqueror through him that loved us or through his love for us. And that's the only way you're going to be more than a conqueror. And if you're not deeply rooted and grounded in that love, how can you walk in victory? In John 15, Jesus gives us an example. Let's start with verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much what? Okay, the fruit... The whole thing is bearing the fruit of love. We're talking about the fruit of love right now. Love is the first fruit of the Spirit. That's the recreated human spirit to bring forth. Okay? So shall ye be my disciples. Now listen. As the Father hath loved me. Where does it come forth from first? Okay? As the Father loved me. You love Him because why? He first loved you. As the Father hath loved me. Jesus said... So have I loved you. Continue you in my love. Now the love didn't just come from Jesus. He said, as the Father loved me, it's coming from the Father to Him, the Son. Now mind you, let's get this out of our heads about the fact that He's the Son of God. He's also a man walking on the earth in the Old Covenant. A prophet under the Old Covenant. The Father, he said, loves me. As the Father loves me, so have I loved you. It's got to stem back to the Father. So the foundation of that love, the root, wherever, wherever, the origin of that love, we'll say, comes from God the Father. If God the Father is loving me this way, then it's a pattern for me to love you the same way. And Jesus was following the pattern. You remember over there in Ephesians, he said, copy or imitate your Father by walking in love. Well, how can I copy or imitate somebody that I have no knowledge of what his love is? It's impossible. Let's go on. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Now listen. Don't stop there. Even as. Circle those two words. They're extremely important. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Jesus is not telling you to do something He did not do Himself. As I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love, even so you keep my commandments and so shall you abide in my love, which is really the love of the Father. It's the same love. Alright, hold your finger there. Go to First John. Hold your finger there. Go to First John. In First John two, five. 
1 John 2, 5. I think we're familiar with 2, 6. It says, But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God, what? Perfected. Hereby we know that we are in him. In the Amplified Bible it says, But he who keeps or treasures his word, who bears in mind his precepts, who observes his message in its entirety, who truly in him has the love of God, and for God been perfected, completed, or reached maturity. By this we may perceive and know and recognize it and be sure that we are in Him. Okay? Look, look at the next verse. Keeping His commandments is perfecting the love of God in you. When the love of God is perfected in you, verse 6 says, He that saith, He abideth in Him. Anybody out there abide in Christ? Okay? Ought himself also so to walk even as. On a circle of two words again. Even as. Even as he walked. Jesus was walking, imitating the Father God. We are to imitate Jesus who imitated the Father God. It's the same love, but actually it's imitating the Father because Jesus said, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So you're imitating the Father God. How? By keeping His Word, which is keeping His commandments. Keeping that Word, keeping that commandment does what? It perfects or brings to maturity the love of God that's inside your spirit. If you're not keeping His commandments by letting His Word abide within you, then you can't possibly have the love of God perfected in you, and you cannot walk even as He walked. You can't take the two apart. You can't separate the two. You have got to keep the commandments as Jesus said, I've kept my Father's commandments. And therefore, walk in His love. Now, let's go back to John and hold your place in 1 John. Go back to the Gospel of John. Verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Alright? Even as. This is the commandment that you love one another. This is agape. This is divine love as I have loved you. Now go back to 1 John 4. Let's look at verse 12. Okay, in verse 12, No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected in us. If you keep His commandments... His love is perfected in you, and you'll walk even as He walked. If you love one another, God dwells in you. You dwell in God, and that love is perfected inside you. Okay? That love can be brought through development to perfection only those two ways. You've got to grab a hold of this. You have got to be the image, as Jesus was the image. From day to day, we are being changed from glory to glory to the what? To the very image of God the Father Himself. 
What's he saying? As we imitate the Father, we start to operate in the love of God. That spiritual force begins to go forth. And the love that we're feeding on is assimilated in our spirit. It goes forth. It changes our actions of our flesh. We begin to conform to the Word of God, not to this world. We begin to conform to the image of God the Father. We can get to a place that the image or that the love of God can be perfected within us, and we are a walking image of God's love on the earth. Now that's exactly what Jesus was. He was love personified. He wasn't doing anything out of his own. He says, Everything I'm doing came from the Father. And if you want to know how the Father acts, just take a look at the life of Jesus. Jesus was the love of God, the image of the love of God in the earth. And it's God's purpose that we get to the point that His love is perfected in us so that we could be the very image. The same image of that love. But what did John over there, you read John 17, read on to the whole chapter. He, he says, "One, I'm one in the Father, you're one in me, we're one in each other. And the world will know that I am the Lord. How? How will they know? How will they know that we're His disciples? Because we love one another with the same divine love. Now, let's go to back to Ephesians just for a moment. I want you to see it. The fifth chapter. The fifth chapter. Let's again just... Read 1 and 2. Be therefore followers of God. Now, if you haven't already done it, do it. Underline the word followers. Circle that word followers. And write down imitators or copiers. Little translation there should be imitated. Matter of fact, the Amplified Bible does say, Therefore be imitators of God, copy Him, and follow His example, as well-beloved children imitate their Father. Alright? Listen again. Amplified Version. Therefore be imitators of God. Imitate God. You grab a whole hand. Imitate God. Imitate. Mimic. That's where we get that Greek word from. Mimic. Or imitate God. Now, how can we do that? You mean we have the ability within inside of us to imitate God? To act like He acts? To do what He did? The whole Bible teaches us that. Does it not? The whole Bible, the whole purpose of it is so that we who were created in the same class of God could act like the gods of this earth. That was God's intent from the very beginning. Was that we take our place of authority and just have dominion over this earth and everything that's in this earth. He made us to be the God of this world, actually. But Satan became the God of this world when Adam fell. We are to imitate the Father God and walk in love. Look at verse 2. I'll read it to you from the Amplified again. And walk in love, esteeming and delighting in one another as Christ loved us, as Christ loved us, even as... As Christ loved us and did what? And gave Himself up for us, a slain offering and sacrifice to God for you, so that it became a sweet fragrance. Now, I don't know about you, but I want my life to be a sweet fragrance in the sight of God, my Heavenly Father. When I enter into the throne room with my Heavenly Father, I want there to be a sweet fragrance of love. 
perfected love. When you walk into the presence of the Father God and you walk in esteeming men higher than yourself. When you walk in that same love that you've given yourself, your life. You have sacrificed to give your life in this earth so that other men could come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You have sacrificed your life in this earth. You have taken up your cross to follow Him and be an imitator of God the Father Himself. When you get on your knees before the throne of God, it will be a sweet fragrance. And the very same life of God will be flowing right through your spirit to others. Actually, you will be a God-man on this earth. And I'm telling you what, I'm not ashamed to say. The Bible calls you an equal heir. Joint heir with Jesus Christ. Isn't that right? Isn't that what it says? Why have we been pounded so much with doubt and unbelief and condemnation and never realized that the Bible is teaching you and me that God has raised us up to a place of equality with the Lord Jesus Christ as joint heirs in the kingdom of God? Why are we afraid to say that? Blasphemy. It's not blasphemous. Not at all. No way. God did it. God recreated our human spirits and said, You are my creation. I've created you to be conformed to the very image of my Son, the firstborn, who is the very image of who? The Almighty God. You read Hebrews, the first chapter, verses 1 through 4, and you'll find out it's that very same image. And you're changed from glory to glory to the very image of the living God. It does not yet what we shall be. Appear what we shall be. What we see Him as He is. We're going to be as He is. We are as He is. And that's why we're going to be as He is. But with this carnal mind, with this natural body, it seems to hide and cover up all the glory that God has put within us in the glorious gospel being inside our spirits. But when we remove this bushel, this flesh that's on the outside of us, and allow the love, that's the light of God's love to flow out from us. And I guarantee you, friends, one woman put it this way. Well, one guy put it this way. John G. Lake said, I sat there looking at this saint on the other side of my desk. I just sat there. I looked at her in the face. Older woman. He said she was so filled and saturated with the love of God. He said, I just, I, he was going away for a few weeks. He said, if that woman gets any closer to God, she's going to be gone. He said... I went away for two weeks and it happened. He says, I saw the glow about her when she walked in my office. I went away for two weeks, came back. They said, she slipped away. Just got caught up in that glory. Enoch was so much walking with God that he just slipped away. He got lost in it. He got lost in the love and the presence of God. You can abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You can dwell in the secret place of the Most High God. You can walk in that love that that love becomes a hiding place for you. I mean, you're so saturated in that love. When men do wrong to you, the Bible says, Love them that hate you and bless them that curse you. That love is turning the other cheek. That love, when you put up the shield of love, they can't stand it. They, they, everything they tried to do to Jesus, they tried to kill Him. They tried to destroy Him because of the words that He spoke. And they could only go so far. When they got to the point they wanted to throw him off the brow of the hill, he turned the other cheek. And the love of God that flowed out from his spirit, they could not touch him any longer. When he came forth from the Garden of Gethsemane, he was so filled with the love of God. What do you think it was? Jesus says, greater love is no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. 
What do you think it was when he was almost sweating? As a matter of fact, I, I'm going to explain that to you someday. The drops of blood that came forth from the pores of our Savior. He was in such great agony in groaning and travailing in the Spirit for yours and my new birth. He was so into prayer. Peter couldn't stay up. John couldn't stay up. The disciples couldn't stay up with him. He got so deeply involved into that prayer, that love was just flowing forth out of his spirit to bring forth your new birth and to bring forth my new birth that those vessels on the inside begin to break and the blood began to run and pour forth. As it were, drops of blood came forth from his being. Probably ran out through his nose. If you ever got that type of prayer, you'll know what I'm talking about. He was so saturated with the love of God that when he got up from that place in victory, he walked back forth and the Roman soldiers were there. And Judas was there. He said, whom are you looking for? They said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. He couldn't say, I'm Jesus. He said, I am. Love in essence. Love personified. That's who he was. He got to the point that he was so much into God and God was so much into him that he just said, it's no longer the flesh man you're looking at. It's the I am. And they fell over. And they fell over. And they dropped to the floor. Because they couldn't stand in that presence. I've heard of when men like Smith Wigglesworth and John G. Lake and Brother Hagin himself was operating so much in this love of God. Brother Hagin, I remember him giving a testimony of his son did. That he was on an airplane. He was just so, didn't say a word, didn't speak a word, but was so filled and saturated with this divine love of God that the woman, the stewardess, came forth, fell down at, by, before the end of the flight, fell down on her knees, and he never said a word and said, Tell me how to find Jesus. How, tell me how to get saved. Never said a word. Brother Wigglesworth went on a train, and the presence of God was so strong, the love of God was so dripping off of him. That the people that were all in that section of the train, they couldn't stand to be in His presence. They fell on their knees and said, Dear Lord God, we've got to get saved. One lady said, uh, and I think I related to you the story before, that brother, this brother Wigglesworth, when holding a meeting in, in her town, she invited him to stay at her house. And her husband, who was a sinner, worked the night shift. He slept in the bed at night. Brother Wigglesworth did. And then the husband came home during the day and he slept in the bed, same bed. He was so filled and saturated with the love of God. The wife said, aren't you going to do anything about my husband's salvation? Make a long story short. She said, he said, yeah, on his way out, don't change the sheets. Don't change the sheets. She walks back in the house with this dumb look on her face. I'm talking about his salvation. He says, don't change the sheets. So she doesn't change the sheets. He jumps in the bed. Glory to God. As soon as, he, as soon as his body hits the bed, he jumps up out of the bed and falls on the ground and says, Lord, forgive me, a sinner. What was it? What did it? It was the divine love of God. It was the same love displayed in John 3.16 that God so loved you and me that He gave His Son. Are you willing to give your life to be a vessel of honor showing forth the love of God to this wicked world? Are you willing? God is looking for God-men. That will show forth the excellencies of His glory in this earth. And it's the walk of love. The divine walk of love. And when you walk the walk of love, friends, you'll never, you'll never, you'll never fail. 
Now, how are we to imitate? How are we to walk as he walked? We said by faith, right? Now, I'm going to show you, as I said before, how if you walk in love. Look at Galatians 5. You're close to it. Look at Galatians 5, 6 first. Someone says, I just can't speak the right words to witness to my family. These two guys did it without even speaking a word. I guarantee you, if you'll walk in the love of God towards your family and you'll let the love of God flow forth from your spirit, you won't have to say two words and they'll get saved. See, that's where we miss it. We thought we got to preach down their throats to get them saved. No! All you've got to do is walk the walk of love. You purpose in your heart to walk in the love of God towards all them that are without. And I'll tell you what, they've never seen anything like it ever before. When they see the love of God saturated in, in your life, you're saturated and, and filled with the love of God. It'll cause them to get saved. I remember one, this is Galatians 5, 6. I remember one, one lady said about this one girl got saved, this da- the daughter got saved, but the mother wasn't saved. They were from the Jewish faith. And of course, they didn't, she didn't believe in Jesus as the Messiah. But the daughter got saved. Lived in the same household. She never preached to her. Never preached to her. A few years later, she heard her mother talking on the phone. And uh, she said, I overheard her saying to a friend of hers, you need Jesus. This is the mother, the Jewish mother. At, when she first got saved, when the young daughter got saved, the mother didn't believe. She says, I heard her saying to her friend on the phone, you need Jesus. She says, I ran to her and I said, what did you say? And she said, I told her she needs Jesus Christ. She goes, what do you think I've been doing for these last few years? I've watched every move you made. i watched how you lived your life. And I says, if Jesus can do that for her, he can do it for me. And that woman without the daughter knowing it got saved. And she never preached to her. Never preached to her. We think we got to go out there. You know, but most of it, that's when you go out there and do it, you're doing it with your own words. You take your life and let your life be the shining light. They'll start to listen to your words. But you take your words out there and don't let your life live up to it, then your life will, will, will be louder than your words. And they won't listen. They won't hear. Galatians 5, 6 says that faith works by what? For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith... Which worketh by... Okay, sometimes we just read some of these scriptures, but we don't grab a hold of what they're saying. Faith works by love. How do you walk in love? By what? By faith. Love is an act of faith. You have got to activate the supernatural forces that's inside your spirit by faith. It was faith that got the love in there in the first place. For by grace are you saved through what? When you were saved through, by grace through faith, what happened? The love of God was what? Shed abroad or flooded your spirit. Now, to get that love outward, it's going to be faith. We walk in love. We walk as we walk by faith. But I'm going to show you something. If you will take the time to perfect your, the love that's in you by faith, exercise all the faith. You know, we read the Mark, Mark 11, 24, What things suffer you desire when you pray... Believe your seed and you shall have them. We read those scriptures and we think they're only for material things. 
I'll tell you what, I put these things above it. Dear Father God, I desire to walk in the love of God. I receive the love of God by faith. I act out the part of the love of God. I walk in love. And you begin to confess and make your confession of what the love of God is inside you. And you begin to walk in that love and activate that love. Develop that love. You know what will happen? Your love will be perfect. The love of God in you will be what? Perfected. Now, anybody here understand how faith and fear cannot mix? Where there is faith, there is no fear. Where there is fear, there is no faith. Jesus says, how come you're afraid? Don't you have any faith? They have no faith because they were afraid. Peter began his walk on the water in faith. But when fear came, what happened to faith? He was afraid, right? He became afraid. That's fear, right? Okay, here's why fear grips the hearts of many believers, and it should never do it. You should never allow fear to grip your heart. Because the Bible says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be what? Let not, what is he saying? Don't you let your heart be troubled, don't you let it be what? Afraid or fearful. Well, how can I stop that from happening? Go back to First John. Go to the fourth chapter. We began with verse 12. Let's go back up there again. Keep in mind, faith cannot work where fear is. Where fear is, faith becomes inoperative. Someone said when faith comes to the front door, fear's got to leave. Or when fear comes to the front door, if faith answers the door, nobody's there. Amen? If faith answers the door. If fear answers the door, look out. Faith is gone. They cannot mix. Why? Because they're absolutes. I think if we could just get an understanding of what absolute means. Where there is faith, faith is an absolute. As long as you are operating in faith, it works. When you allow fear to enter in, it's absolute. Faith can't work. It cannot work. Why? Because they cannot mix. Faith and fear release, cannot be released at the same time from your heart. You're either in faith or you're in fear. You may start out in faith. If you allow fear to enter in, it will rob you of your faith. Let's look at this verse. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected in us. Hereby we know that we dwell in Him, and He is in us, he in us because He hath given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in Him, and He in God. And we have known and believed the love of God, that God hath to us. 16 again. And we have known and believe the love that God has to us. The heart must be established in knowing and believing in the love that God has for you. If you're not rooted and grounded in the love that God has for you, then that life is stopped from flowing forth from your, out of your spirit. It's in there, but it will be inoperative. Now look, let's read the rest of it. And he... God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Let me read verse 16 from the Amplified. And we know and understand and recognize that our conscience, by observation and by experience, and believe and adhere to and put faith in and rely on the love that God cherishes for us. God is love. And he who dwells and continues in love and dwells and continues in God, and God dwells and continues in him. Okay, verse 17. Here it is, our love made perfect. 
that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Let's read verse 17 from the Amplified. In this union and communion with him, love is brought to completion and attains perfection with us that we may have confidence for the day of judgment with assurance and boldness to face him because as he is, so are we in this world. Now the next verse shows the whole thing about faith and fear. There is no fear in... Say it again. There is no fear in love, but perfected love. Love that is brought to maturity does what? Cast out all fear. Where fear is, that faith can't work. People allow the fear to get into their heart, and when that fear comes in, Faith cannot work for them to get their deliverance or to get their healing, whatever it is. Whenever you hear the evil report, if you begin to fear, it will not work. Protect and guard your heart from fear. Don't let it be afraid. How? Perfect yourself in the love of God. Allow that love to be in maturity inside your spirit being. To flow forth out from your spirit. You have got to be rooted and grounded and have that love of God perfected in your life. And when it is, well, let's read it again from the Amplified. There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. But full-grown, complete, perfect love turns fear out the doors and expels every trace of terror. For fear brings with it the thought of punishment, and so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love is not yet grown into love's complete perfection. The only thing I knew when I got saved, I did not know the Scriptures. I didn't know all that the Bible teaches. Someone said, how did you know it was God's will to heal you, your wife, and everybody else? How did you know that? And all I could answer was this. On the inside, I knew he loved me so much that he'd do it. I just knew that. I knew I could ask him anything and he'd do it because he loves me. But some people say, is it God's will? If you're still out there in that if it's God's will realm, wake up. Wake up. If it's God's will. God's will was to give Jesus for you the ultimate gift. It's His will to give you anything that pertains to life and godliness because He's already done it. God loves you so much. God is absolute love. If you're a child of God and if you're a sinner, He loves you. How much more does He love a child? Amen? I love my children. I love other children. But compare the two. Think about that. Yes, he loves a sinner. But blessed be God, I'm a child. You're a child. And if you don't know that the reason why you could be, de- you could be delivered from all... Matter of fact, Galatians 1, 4 says, You want to hear the will of God? Hold your place there. Go to Galatians. We'll close right up pretty quick. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I didn't say on this scripture. What scripture did I give you? Okay. Let's 
Someone says, what if it's not God's will to deliver me? What if it's not God's will to set me free? What if it's not God's will to heal brother, sister, so-and-so? Well, let's look at God's will. Who gave himself? Stop right there. Why did he give himself? Greatest act of love ever known. Okay? Who gave himself for our sins. Why? That he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the what? To the will of God the Father. God our Father. Don't ever pray if it be thy will as far as being delivered from the evils of this world again. You'll never have to. It says right there, it's according to the will of God our Father to deliver us from the evils of this world. And that's why He sent His Son. That's exactly what that scripture says. Now you know God's will. The next verse says, and Paul had to just stop right there. To Him be glory forever and ever. Hallelujah. That was his way of saying hallelujah. Can you see that? Now let's go back to that first John and close it out right there. We didn't even get beginning our message yet. We will tonight. Tonight we're going to have a, a real treat. We are going to have an exercise class. We are going to exercise the love of God tonight. We are going to break it apart. And we're going to start to act it out. And if you think we was fanatical then, we're getting worse. <laughs> Amen. That's right. It's time we start teaching things like this from the pulpit, don't you think? It's time we start being doers of the Word, not hearers only. Amen? Well, let's finish it out here. 1 John 4. Let's read 18 again. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. And where there is no fear, faith goes forth. Wow. Glory to God. There's pure faith. Amen? Okay? Because fear of torment, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. So if, you, if you're saying, well, I'm afraid of this, I'm afraid of that, well, stop saying it. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. Because God loves you so much. That's the reason why. Okay, let me give another scripture. Isaiah 41.10 says what? Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Right? Okay, why don't you have to let your heart be fearful? So you got an evil report. The evil report said that something's wrong uh, in your family or something's wrong or in your family. Whatever. Whatever your evil report is. What should you be saying? Fear thou not, for I am with thee. God's with me. If God be for me, who could be against me? If God before me, no evils, no calamities, no tragedies. The one scripture says in the 91st Psalm, There shall no evil befall thee. And one translation says it this way. There shall no accident come near you. No accident shall come your way. No accident of evil or calamity shall come near you. Listen, that's what it's talking about here. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. God is with me. He's on the inside. He's flowing to the outside. He's surrounded me. Goodness and mercy, righteousness, faith and love, they're all around me. Fear thou not. And when they came to kill Jesus, they couldn't do it. Because He activated that force of love from His Spirit. And He hid in it. Okay. We love Him because He first loved us. Verse 19. Jesus said, As the Father loved me, I loved you. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hate his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God and whom he hath not seen? If you are not loving your brother, you do not love God. If you're not keeping his commandments, you don't love him. 
John 14, 21, right to 23. Read it for yourself. Jesus said it and He said, The Father spoke and said, If you're not keeping my word, you don't love me. And if you're not loving your brother, as commandment says, you still don't love me. And you better find out, you better believe we're going to find out what it means to walk in this ultimate love. This absolute love. And when we do, look out. There's going to be a new realm of living in your lives. This is going to be a new atmosphere right here. It's going to start in a family too, which we're going to get to. Okay. And this is the commandment we have from Him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Tonight we're going to get forth, bring forth the characteristics of this love. We are going to have it, like I said, we're going to exercise it, we're going to walk in it, we're going to talk it, we're going to speak it forth. We're going to let this love flow out from our spirits. It's in there. There's no sense in going any further if this is the root, if this is the ground for our spirit man. For the Word of God to take root and to, to, to be grounded inside our spirit man is love. And if it's not coming forth out of our spirits like it should, it's, command, it's the commandment of the new covenant, then we've got to do something about it. Isn't that right? And it's time we, we started not just gaining knowledge of the truth, but never learning. You know, just never learning, Paul says. Hearing and hearing and hearing, but never learning. Never, never coming to the knowledge of the truth. But living it, walking it, acting it out in our everyday lives and allowing the love of God, as Paul said, to constrain us, to control us, to envelop us, to be the reason for our lives to be lived on this earth is to show forth the love of God. If we'll do that, you'll never have any problem in getting your prayers answered. The main reason why people don't get their prayers answered is because they don't know that God loves them. That's where fear comes from. If you knew that God, the Creator, loves you, there'd be no problem. You just look up to heaven and say, Father, you love me with such love, all I've got to do is ask. Jesus did that very thing. Father, I thank you that thou hearest, heard me. I know that thou hearest me always. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.